Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hello and welcome to Port Fan Radio. It is Rick Newenhoven here and hopefully everyone can hear me. I was a bit worried that my microphone isn't working properly. It's been a while since I've had to host a show in my own right um, without the uh, the care and comfort of the great man uh, Macca, but uh, unfortunately he's driving his car home from work and can't actually make tonight's show. And uh, I've been stalling because I've been waiting for tonight's guest to, to come along. And so we both apologise for the delay, uh, but I think she won't be far away. So in the meantime, while I'm waiting for uh, the lovely Portia to join us, which I think she is just about to, and my squeaky chair is here, guys, um, I'll just say welcome aboard. And I hope you guys like the earlier show. And I'm just going to call in Portia now. And fingers crossed, she answers. Hello, sorry about that. That's all right, Portia. So we're, I've already started the show without you. Okay. So, yep. so um, don't, uh, don't swear unless you mean to. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it is always possible. Um, <laughs> the season we've had so far, but I'll try not to. Good work. Thanks for coming on. And um, so we're trying a new, as you know, we're trialling a new time slot tonight to see uh, to see how that works for people. And uh, yeah, oh wait a sec, we've I've got Alistair Clarkson. Alistair, hello. How are you, mate? Good. I'm Alistair Clarkson. Am I? No, you're not. You're Alistair Carlton. But I thought I'd give you a bit of a pump up and say Alistair Clarkson. So how are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I've just uh, I got this um, message. I was just put my daughter in the bath and said, "Oi, Port Fan Radio, they want a bit of um, of the Big Owl, so the Big Owl is here." <laughs> the Big Owl is here, and you've joined uh, by the lovely Portia. Did you want to say hello to Portia? Hi, Portia. Hi. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks. Excellent. It's lovely to hear you and your dulcet tones, or your sexy tones, I should say. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Al, what we're trialling tonight is maybe getting a few people calling in like yourself, so thanks for calling in. Um, no before before we, uh, before we start the, uh, the show tonight, have you got a question uh, for us? Well, is John Butcher the future? Is the future dead? Uh, <laughs> That's yes. a bit harsh. <laughs> no, but is the future dead in the sense that he is no longer considered the future for Port Adelaide? Um, I think that even when we drafted him, there was an over-reliance on him being the future, given we were drafting in a tall's draft and we picked one. Um, I think that we have put an unfair label on him. Um, he spent, even before we drafted him, he spent half the year out with injury, and we've just come in and said, John Butcher's going to be awesome. He's shown some great signs, and... It's just really hard to deliver on that, I suppose. So I think that um, we have to look forward and we have to start recruiting more KPPs. I know we've got a couple on the list, but we've got to keep plugging it until we get a couple that we can rely on. So I think we are moving on from Butcher at this point. Um, Porsche, I just wanted to start it off, uh, this 
program by just a bit of a, a bit of, bit of an intro um, and look at the uh, the brief mid season review that the boys touched on on Monday. So I don't think we need to delve into it uh, as deeply as what they did. But what did you um, what did you think of the uh, what have, what have you think of the mid season review? And I've got Al trying to call back in, so I'll get him back in as well. And uh, and we'll get Porsche back up and running as well. Done. So, what have you? What's your mid-season review, Porsche? Um, uh, look, I, it's every time in the early off-season, I seem to get antsy about stuff, and everyone says relax or whatever else. And it's all comes down to list management. So, a season review. Yeah, we've had a lot, a lot of weaknesses exposed. Um, I think that losing Polek has really hurt us. Uh, he's an extremely valuable sort of player, and I think I've been dropped again. No, no, you're still there. We'll we'll listen to Um, your sexy tones. Okay, thanks. Um, So someone like Pollock missing um, White, obviously being off the ball. I mean, they were two of our really key forward uh, entry players last year and their uh, lower form has really hurt us, I think. They're just getting that delivery into the forward line, which causes a whole bunch of problems further upfield, obviously. Um, And that's part of why I suppose our forward, uh, our tall forwards have been a bit less consistent um, than in previous years. Um, as far as the defence, they're clicking well, um, but that's good. That should really be a baseline for any side is that you have a defence that clicks reasonably well because if they're not clicking well, I mean, you haven't got a team at all. Uh, everything that's done by the coaches these days builds off defence uh, and that's certainly the case with us as, as much or more than any other side um, with our reliance on slick, slingshot defence. Um, obviously, we have to be disappointed that uh, Port have finished uh, in the latter position that we're at at this current point. Um, and there's... A lot of good reasons to be annoyed at some of the things that have been happening, but um, really, I think, and uh, I'm just going to compare Hinkley to Choco here, not in a negative way, but I think that Hinkley, since he started as our coach, has been exactly like Choco in that he has been the absolute pragmatist, and he's tried to get the best out of the side he can with the squad he's got in front of him. But um, and that's great, and he's done a pretty good job of it, quite honestly. He's believed in the boys and put something together that kind of works, and they've for the most part, done really well. But um, it really is a matter of addressing how we manage our off-field um, management um, by offering things like two-year contracts to people in the SANFL and um, what four-year deal for Broadbent, which I'm not saying is bad, but that's a really long term for a flanker. Um, just have to start looking at what we're doing there, not recruiting tall forwards. It's really it all comes down to list management, unfortunately, this time. That's going to take a few years. But more importantly, it's going to take a change in how we do things, and that's what hasn't changed between the coaches. That's what hasn't changed at all. Between Choco and... Between Choco, Primus, Hinkley, we're still using pretty much the same methods of recruiting for the most part. Um, the system's changed, but we're still prioritising much the same way. Um, I haven't really noticed any change in our draft patterns at all as far as what we do. Um, we're going in tall forward short, we're going big on flankers, and we're happy to draft them with early picks. Um, and that's where we're at. Um, yeah. You look at someone like Melbourne, though, you know, they've had a... A lot of terrible selection, but now they've finally got a couple like that. Even Jet Watts hasn't turned out, but Jesse Hogan, finally, they got one that's going to be actually really good. Mm. Um, and, but to get that guy, you know, we say, oh, yeah, but they've had all these early picks, and it's like, yeah, they have, but they've been using them to get key forwards as well. You know, if you don't, even the earliest picks are still a pot shot, and you're only getting a chance, so you, you've got to have lots. Um, mm. So if we're looking back in the context of this season, um, the structure's not great, but I think that. It's being coached as well as we can expect it to and it comes down to getting as much out of them as we can, keeping everyone together that is actually important to keep in the side and then just try and recruit better and then just hopefully in the next couple of years it'll come together a bit. 
So what about you, Aya? What's your um, your brief thoughts on the on the season so far? Well, I, I suppose it's been a, a season of disappointment. Um, we just have had too many players that just are out of form. Uh, we've had during the year, like we can't. We've been crueled by injuries a little bit, but really, like we've got everyone on the park bar two players, Matty White and Polek from our first 18 are available at the moment. So, and the performances, losing to Carlton, who were on bottom of the ladder, like it shows that we've just got no confidence in ourselves. People have worked out our game plan and are taking... Right. Well... That was pretty concise. Um, I think I might have dropped out there for a little bit and been yeah, a bit cheeky. But I reckon I'm with you um, with that part. I think... I don't know about worked out the game plan. I, there was a, a real mixed message that I picked up from the Tyson Edwards interview on Double A when I was at the gym a couple of weeks ago, um, where they, he was talking about the, you know, you know how Ken Hinckley was talking about the they're getting seven things out of ten right, and each week it's it's three things that are it's always different, and then just mm. not getting the ten out of ten. And um, there was a comment he made there with that interview where I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of paraphrasing where um, they would address that three out of ten at training. And I think, I think there's two parts to this which, is, uh, which are sort, of, sort of sticks out for me for the season. I don't think the injuries were an excuse at all because I don't, even though there have been a few players, it hasn't been excessive compared to other teams. Um, but it's the two things that stick out to me is the one they seem to be addressing the, the three out of ten on a weekly basis is mm. are they sending mixed messages to the players? Right? And that, that's one thing that I'm starting to question. And the other question is um, have the players, like the supporters and the media, looked at their, their good three and two record where we weren't really questioning the fitness at all or, or the form of players and, uh, when, that, when we were three and two. And um, we've hit a, hit a little bit of a hiccup and the players have sort of got ahead of themselves a little bit as well, and uh, and they've taken and they're sort of taking their eye off the ball, and they've been caught out. That's that's probably the two things that have stood out for me this season, and then all the rest has stemmed uh, from those two issues. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of other reasons as well. Um, I remember it was at about round five or six, and there was late in one game. Robbie Gray doing a stupid hand pass to Westhoff in the square, which left Westhoff with an opportunity to kick the ball over his head, and I thought, oh yeah. Yeah, that's still the old Port Adelaide, by which I mean the not very good Port Adelaide. Um, I think there's still a lot of that. Uh, it's a culture change because we've been terrible for a pretty decent amount of time before Hinkley came in and certainly a lot of the players that are in the senior side now are used to Port Adelaide uh, uh, bad style football. Um, you know, like not chasing or taking dumb risks that have no real merit. Um, watching the ball, you know, these are all things that are sort of part of the Port Adelaide culture, I hate to say at this point, um, and uh, it's, I think that's just still a matter of eradicating them slowly. Um, mm. But as for the 3 and 10 missing, I mean, I'd probably suggest that that might mean that the 3 and 10, or in fact, 10 out of 10, that if that's something that keeps happening um, and you're not able to address it, um, after a while, that's a coaching failure, not just a player one. Um, that's exactly really. right. Right. And that's what I think too. I think the coaches need to take a look. I mean, and if you start chasing your tail, trying to address the three things that are going wrong, and each week it's something different, mm. uh, it goes back to the point. You, do you, when do you, when does it become mixed messages to the players and actually confuse the players on what's going on? And um, yeah, it's just, 
And it just brings up, I don't really want to dwell on the Magpie issue because the Magpies have got their own show coming up at 8 o'clock tonight with Matt and Harold. But um, the one common issue that I, I saw was the skills in the Magpie games on, on the weekend. I don't know if you saw it, Portia, but the skills were pretty woeful and the tackling was woeful as well. It was just, we just seemed to be doing this throw the arm out token effort for the tackles at this point in time. And that seems very unheedly like from the previous two years. Um. I think that there's, look, I don't have any evidence of it, but I think there's something different with the Magpies. Like, um, if you look at the players that have come into the top Port Adelaide side that have been in the NFL even briefly, um, the ones that come through the Magpies are usually among the worst. Uh, and this is before one club, I should point out. And, um, you know, you could argue that there might have been some development, that more development needed doing then, because it seems coincidence that all the not particularly good Port power players are coming through the magpies but now they're all at the magpies i don't know how much things have changed there off field um i just sort of wonder if that's part of it i don't know if it's because you're sort of part of the home team whether you're not got the same or sorry you've got a different focus in how you play so if you're chad wingard playing for sturt um yeah okay you'd want sturt to win but ultimately you're there as a power player whereas if you're at the magpies well one club you want the team to win sorta. So you probably do just enough to win and you don't really necessarily think so much about your own personal performance as you would if you were at a foreign club where everyone kind of hated you and you want to get back in the top side. I don't know. I don't know if that's mm. a factor or not. No mm. idea. Just yeah, I don't know either. It is, it's just a bit of a uh, it's just a bit of a mystery anyway. But uh, I guess it's uh, we'll better get chopping along and uh, so we've made one selection change with Paddy Ryder in and Kane, Kane Mitchell out with uh, Paul Stewart and Jake Need as subs, which I would find probably unlikely that they would be playing since they only played on uh, Sunday, but they're travelling emergencies. So what do you think of the change? Um, Ryder in's good. Um, I think he'll play well at the SCG. Uh, he's, I think that's a good size ground for him, nice and compact. So his um, ability to take a mark sort of in that forward half is good enough to him to be close enough to go to kick goal. So I think we'll actually probably might even see his best performance this year, I'd say. That's going to be my guess. Um, mm. uh, as far as meeting up, uh, meet, meeting up with Sydney, um, look, they're always going to be a really tough ask for us. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if the cha- I don't know if our matchups are going to be sufficient to get a win at the SCG. It's a really hard ground for teams to win at. Um, what, what about the uh, what about the omission of Kane Mitchell? And I I, I don't say this trying to be offensive to any player, but is this almost putting a line through Kane Mitchell and his Port Adelaide career? Uh, No, Um, because, okay, yes, it could be, but if it is, then that's a list management thing because we promoted him last year, so why did we do it? Um, But I don't think it is. I think that it's just they've decided, oh, no, he's off the boil. Um, Again, it's how we manage our team. Um, We show a lot of faith in the guys and we hang on to them for a very long time if we put a little bit of faith in them, which can pay off occasionally but mostly doesn't. And I think Mitchell's pretty much in that camp. Um, But he only came back for one game, didn't he? Yeah. So we didn't really... What's he doing differently? Well, I don't know if he's doing anything differently, but... I mean, it, I just, I just don't get this. Bring someone in for a game, drop them straight away. If that's really the solution to any problems, um, and I noticed a few people on the forums were uh, surprised. Tom Jonas got another gig. 
after after his poor form. And, and I guess if you're a, if you are a Kane Mitchell or a fringe player, I guess you could actually start um, potentially asking questions because he could have quite easily been in the chopping block. And I think this comes back to what you were saying about. Um, Ken Hinckley being a little bit pig-headed, similar to the the Choco days, um, because uh, if yeah, never said pig-headed, never said pig-headed. I just said pragmatic. Well, That's different. Well, same thing. No, pragmatic just, means that you do what you can with what you got. It's different completely. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say he's been. A lot of people think he's been a little bit pig-headed. And I'm not meaning like well stubborn. I'll say stubborn, right? In, instead of pig-headed, he's um, he's been a little bit stubborn in in wanting to maybe drop. Uh, certain players from the side, and and I think Tom Jonas could should have probably been one that deserved to be dropped after the Carlton game. He was disgraceful. I'm sorry. He. I'm going to say this, and I've been saying it for probably three weeks. Jonas is on the Choco goal pass. He has got the goal pass because his form this season has been terrible. You give him a senior player, a leader, six weeks, but after six weeks you've got to start looking at it and making a decision. And the decision would be to let him go back to the SANFL, get some form, get back to what he's good at, be in the glove, and then once he's got that confidence back, bring him up. But six weeks, he's it's half a season and he's played terrible. I can't remember one decent game he's played this season. Uh, I, I kind of disagree with the, the, the solution there for the problem, um, which is that if you're dropping him back, who do you bring in? You bring in what someone like Clary... Uh, has he done enough to say, yes, I need to be in the side? Because if he hasn't, then it's not really doing anything. It's just a punishment, and it's not really going to help the side at all in that respect. Uh, and also, uh, as far as going back and getting confidence at a lower level, I think we're long past the time that uh, SNFL was even vaguely near AFL standard, and getting confidence, speeding up nobody's um, imported from seconds leagues in Bendigo and wherever else, um, that's not really going to do a lot for your confidence when you go back and play for them against the, the real teams, I don't think, for a senior player. For a junior player, absolutely. For a guy in Jonas's age bracket, I don't think it does him any good at all to go back to the SNFL, um, quite frankly, and I don't think it would improve his game at all. Um, and I suppose there's also something to be said for, look, hey, you're in the side, we were relying on you, um, lift your game, and no, you're not getting dropped. Lift your game, you're going to have people watching you the whole time, deal with it. And that's you know that's character building in itself, I would have thought. Well, I don't, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. If you're not performing at the level required, and that's everyone's entitled to their opinion, and that's fine. And like, I'm not going to attack you like people do on the boards, etc. But I just disagree that if you're not performing and you're um, at a level below, give someone else an opportunity uh, to play and uh, see what they're made of. Because he, like a senior player, give him six, eight weeks, but he's had twelve weeks. He has played poor football all season. So what's going to turn around if we keep on playing him when he's playing poorly? Well, I think the argument too was that Tom Clory probably did enough to, to maybe justify staying in the side. Um, when I think he went when Jackson Trengove came back. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I, I, I would have thought that maybe with Tom's form, and I think he's, a great, he's been a great player for us and a great rise from the, from the rookie list. Um, but, yeah, I think his form probably could have warranted Tom Clurry staying in and, uh, and giving him a go. And, I mean, probably, we are probably a little bit threadbare with our reserves. None of them are really putting their hands up at this point in time. We had Scott S. tweet into us, um, saying Port Fan Radio is the reserves for the Hawks and Cats a big issue 
when the VFL won flags and so did the AFL team. In itself, I don't think there's any issue with having all your reserves at the same club as the, um, the main side. I don't think that's an issue at all. But I think that um, before one club, there were issues with how power players came through the Magpies because we didn't really have any good ones come through, even the ones that were imported. Um, and I don't know if they were, those issues were addressed when we went one club. Like, I don't know if mm. things have changed there so that we actually have a focus at the Magpies on producing quality power players, which is what I think it essentially needs to be. I guess the, the thing that I do like from the one club uh, perspective is that um, I do feel like the the two I'm going to segregate them as two playing groups, uh, even though they're they're sort of one list. But you do have the top up players, but yeah. both levels they do seem to be supporting each other genuinely. Um, that's how it appears to me, and and I think that's good from a cultural perspective of the footy club. And, um, yeah, so I guess we spoke about um, Tom Jonas, but Portia, I, I think Al might have, he might have had to go off for a sec with his uh, daughter there. But sure. was there, is there any changes that you would have made um, to the side that's been listed for this week, or are you happy with the team selection? Um, look, I think it's about as good as we can name right now. Uh, the only query I'd have would be over Cahoon because I'm still not super sold on him. Um, and whether I, I mean, I'd rather... If I was choosing between, say, Cahoon and Archie or Cracker, uh, I'd pick one of those two for sure um, comfortably. Mm. And um, of the other two, in the, yeah, basically as a starter, um, have those in. Um, as, as far as the second level, I don't know. Who would you bring in? Oh, God, bring back Amon. Is he okay? Or I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He, he he was okay in the the Maggie's game. He, he yeah, there was a he had a shot on goal, which was an absolute shocker. He was about you didn't see the game last weekend, did you? No, afraid not. Uh, he was did you? He was about twenty meters out on like a five degree angle, like pretty pretty much straight in front and uh, kicking to the southern end, and he. He basically kicked it out on the full, about twenty minutes wide of the poi pose. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. And this, is, I guess, this goes back to our skills. I don't know how how you could miss it by by so far as a professional player. But um, yeah, look, I, look, I, I think Sammy Cahoon's been great since he's been back, and I, I think he provides that link up play that we need. But I agree with you. I wouldn't be choosing him over Brendan Archie or Nathan Cracker, who are both are on the bench. And, and yeah, look, I really. I really hope that um, that Brendan gets a full game. I thought his half a game replacing Robbie Gray's concussion, he 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 did it more than what he could be asked to do. And uh, yeah, I know I'm a Brendan fan, so I am trying to to look at it objectively and unbiased. And and I thought his performance. You can't. I can't. I can't be. I'm going to try, and I think with an unbiased hat, I think he deserves a a full game. So. Maybe looking at that bench of Monfries, Archie, Cracker and Moore, maybe we're going to look at Andrew Moore as the sub considering his output in our previous game wasn't that fantastic. Would you guys go down that path? I'm not convinced he's got the burst energy to come on as a sub. No, um, I agree with that. We agree, Porsche, because I disagree with him being the sub because he's he can't make that initial impact. He's no. a grinder. He's a yes. grinder. He just, like, goes from contest to contest. He doesn't have that burst like Arch does or a Mitchell does. That type of burst um, impact that someone can have, and that's what you want from a sub, and yeah. I don't think Moore gives you that. No. So who who does that that's on our on our 22-man roster oh, there? 
Uh, Arch. Yeah. Oh, he, does, he does get hyped. I've seen him running up and down the side of the ground. And he's just ready to go, so I don't know. Um, yeah, Arch is probably... Oh, it's unfortunate, but he's look, he's probably best suited, or well, not best suited, but he's the one that you know is definitely going to be more hyped when he's on the uh, on the bench and he comes on. Um, and maybe that's not a bad thing. Um, I don't know whether maybe even there's a fitness factor that, that's part of it. So maybe he doesn't have the endurance to perform at that level all game and he's good for the sub. But So would, do you cracker? Are we wasting cracker though? Do we need cracker more this week than another week because of the tight confines of the SCG? and lack of space, so we need someone with his precision kicking. Because let's face it, over the last few weeks, he's probably been our form disposal uh, user or user of the ball. Um, I think his level head more than his precise kicking um, is more the issue, the seniority, because um, at the SCG, it's always a scramble. Um, and so if you're not pretty aware of what's going on around you, um, you're going to struggle. Um, mm. And I think he's got that He's got that awareness. Um, <clears throat> and I suppose that could be another thing against... Brendan Archie having a full game is just having to have that kind of awareness at the SCG because the ground is so small. Um, I don't know if he's got the concentration for it, does he? I don't know. We haven't seen it at AFL level we yet because to... he, hasn't, he hasn't had the opportunity to show it. So That's right. We need to see it. Hard to call. Uh... We do but need I, to see it, right? I think that's a very good point. Sorry, Al, you can chip in a sec. I was just going to say it's a very good point about using the ball. Um, that's probably been one of our weaknesses coming out of the back lines this year. We, we haven't really been hitting up targets. What were we going to say, Al? I was going to say, what about Jasper as the sub? He, he's got that explosion, etc. Uh, maybe he would be uh, a good person for the sub. All right, the, thanks for your contribution on the show tonight, <laughs> Al. Um, you know, it's been great having you on, mate. But, uh, oh, look, there's someone else coming. Look, what um, a, nah. <laughs> just on Putard uh, being the sub, he could be the sub, um, but I think that, his main benefit is in setting up the play, uh, and he's, he can potentially go through, I suppose, and be on the outside of packs or whatever else. But really, that setting up the play is something that's good to set the standard for all game. Um, I think one thing I'm confident in Pitard doing is that um, even when no one else is doing it, he will try and make an efficient switch. He will try and create effectively, um, even if upfield they're sort of stuffing around and not really running as hard as they should be. So I. I'd certainly back that in uh, as an important thing to have Jasper Pittard playing pretty much all game if possible. Um, it almost sounds a bit silly, but I guess I would have probably looked at maybe an Andrew Moore and dropping him or a Tom Jonas and keeping Kane Mitchell on as the sub. To me, to me, that probably might have been more an effective player to use in that sub role or potentially maybe one of those players like Andrew Moore might drop out and they might bring Jake Need in. Uh, yeah, Need or anyone would be my choice. Because because Need had a an amazing first quarter for the Maggies and then disappeared after that, so he he might be pumped to to play one quarter of footy. He lacks consistency. That's why he's not playing. Because they said mm. that if they had an informed Jake Need, he'd be in our best twenty-two every week. If Jake Need is in form, because we need that small crumbing forward, and um, if he was in form and he's not, he's just not consistent enough, and that's why he's not playing. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I look. I I don't agree with that that selection principle because if you need a small forward, you need a small forward of some kind. Who's going to do it? You know, who have we got on that side that will do it? And we've got a couple of guys, but both of them, what Robbie Gray and Chad Wingard, they should be in midfield. They shouldn't be small forward. Exactly. Um, maybe Sam Cahoon is going to be the small forward. I don't know. I don't know who would be. Who would be? 
Yeah. Um, well, we don't we don't really have one. I mean, I yeah. mean, I won't, I don't look at Chad as a small forward. Uh, no, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, he's the closest so, we've got. Him and Robbie. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah I, that's I agree. So maybe uh, maybe need does need to come in uh, as a small forward, and uh, I don't know why he drifted out. Well, the whole team on the weekend drifted out for the Maggies. It wasn't just Jake Need. Um, they all just disappeared. So I don't know what happened there, but um, it, it seems to be a, a cultural thing between both of the sides this year, well, especially the, the power side, where we seem to be disappearing um, for greater periods of time. So what about the omission of Buddy Franklin and Kurt Tippett? Is their twin towers, is that going to benefit us at all or not really? Um, it probably makes them less predictable, which could catch us out because we are not coping with less predictable, which is why we're losing to bottom sides. Um, but basically, back in the day, um, say 10 years ago, North Melbourne's great thing was that they would beat all the sides that had a really good structure, and as soon as you had a really weird structure, they'd start losing games, and that's how they finish mid-table all the time, and I think that we're kind of in that boat right now ourselves um, against a, a side that we know really well that does the same thing the same way every week. Um, we've got probably more of a shot than we have against a team that's sort of up and coming and we don't know exactly what they're going to bring, and I think that's sort of what Sydney's turned themselves into with those two exclusions, so... Um, yeah, it's tough to know. Um, it'll be a very different kind of game to what we would have planned at the start of the year, I guess. don't know. What do you think, um, Al? Well, I think it's going to be a really t- tough game because I'd say that um, Homsch is going to go to Goods because they'll have Goods and Reed up forward. So then you've probably got Jackson on Reed, and then who does Bobby go to? It kind of throws us out a little bit, and... If we can't kick goals, and their back line is still as good as it ever has been, if we can't kick goals and win that midfield battle, what they've got up forward isn't going to matter to us because we'll, they'll still be able to kick goals from people like Hanelbury, um, McVeigh, etc. Um, and so that's not going to matter if we can't win that midfield battle. So, and our forward and our forwards to actually uh, kick some goals uh, and not rely on Chad and. Robbie actually gets some stuff out of uh, Westy and Schultzy. Um, well, they've, they've brought in Dean Towers, who's a, a tall player, and I think they've brought in. Did they? Was that last year's draft pick that Nan Curvis? He's a ruckman. That, who's a ruckman as well, wasn't he? But he was last year's draft selection. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I don't pay that much attention to. Yeah, season. I reckon I remember talking about him with Macca and a, and a guest and. Um, about maybe uh, experimenting with them. So obviously they've they've still picked a couple of tall players to come back in. So they're they're not going to be playing a short small forward line with um, Adam Goods and Sam Reed also hanging around as well. And um, well, I, doubt, I highly doubt the players are going to be complacent and going, oh beauty, we're going to win this game now that there's no Franklin and Tippett. I'm sure they're not that naive. Um, and yeah, I think like you guys just pointed out, it's it's. The, we're going to have to be accountable in the midfield and, and that's where a lot of our issues have been coming from this year. Um, midfield, sure, but I think the main area that we're going to need to focus on um, is just really, really um, loading our half-back line so that they can't take shots from 50 because that's what you do at the SCG every time. Um, mm. So that's going to be the most important part is just making sure that always the half-back line for us is completely chockers. So how do we handle the Matt Loeb-Paddy Ryder combination for this game? Uh, I'm playing right out forward in my mind. Yeah. As a mom. Yeah. 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 You guys just want to see in what forward pocket for the bulk of the game? 
I want to see him leading full forward with uh, Jay Schultz maybe going down further and up the ground as we might go. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Let him come out to about 40 or they've got it marked as 50. Yep. Um, and just, oh, no, it's 50 uh, now. Oh, is it? Yeah, apparently. Apparently. Yeah, they, so stretched, the, they stretched the stadium, so it's yeah. a legitimate 50 metres, as you, as you do. Yep. That's right. But, yeah, I, I see... Uh, Paddy Ryder um, as more of a forward and giving Bloby a chop out for like, I don't know, 10 minutes a quarter maybe. Um, mm. And then allowing Westhoff to um, go back forward and just be the complete utility. Mm. Mm. So are you, got, are you both um, concerned with Loby's form this year? Uh, I guess it comes down to what you expect Loby to do. Um, I my, not, not really a criticism because it's not a fair criticism, but one of the things that we're really missing from back in the day is having set plays in ruck where we know that, okay, we'll see some common things happen where the ruckman will get it to this player and then they'll do this or try to get a player in this position and they'll do this. And I don't, I think, don't think we reliably see that with Lobby at any point. Um, he's really just sort of a mid-range negate ruckman as much as anything. So the fact he's out of form, it's not great. And there's certainly... Uh, that could improve. He could uh, work on that a bit more. But uh, then again, I don't really know what our set plays are in midfield, to be honest. I don't know what our set plays are across the side for the most part, apart from the slingshot. Um, it's, yeah, it's that's probably part of why we've been hard to match up on in the last couple of years. But I think that's also confusing for players as well. And that, that could be part of it. Maybe they just don't know how to read him. Maybe mm. um, they're working on some new things and they just haven't come off. I don't know. Uh, we had a couple of tweets too. Um, Scott okay. S said... Cheers for the response, Porsche. Glad you're on again. And so you've got a bit of a cult following. I'm sure people don't care about me and Craig. They just want you guys on here. Um, and Paul Valutis said, definitely think Crack or Arch would do better with the bigger Sydney bodies. Thoughts? Um, I Okay, this is, this is um, not a, a harsh criticism, but I don't know about Arch. Like, he looks like he's got gym muscles. Really, I, I don't know how good he is necessarily being beaten around in, in harsh contests. I don't know if that's really something I would pinpoint him as being able to do. I do think he's very good in traffic, but as far as laying crunching um, hip and shoulders or anything like that or just being able to you know break through tackles, I don't know that he's got it in him. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him to make a judgment either way because I haven't watched too much SANFL football in the last few years and that's where he's been basically lang- languishing. Um, mm. And all I know of him is his massive handballs. That's all. <laughs> so yeah. um, I want to see him handball a goal from 50 metres and it be awarded a goal. You're an oh, idiot. okay. That's, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. So what about... Uh, how do we win this game? And if we do have anyone that's actually listening to us, and we've got a few tweets, so maybe we do, feel free to call in with a quick question. But how do you guys think we're going to win this game? Um, I think we load the halfback line and just clog it up as much as possible. We set up offensively in midfield and we just ping it forward as much as possible and we try and keep the forward line as empty as we feasibly can so that Ryder has a lot of room to run in. That's so you're trolling the big footy forums then where everyone's heads are exploding on a daily basis because we don't play a forward line at all. So you're, you're, you're wanting more of the same. I'm setting up a writer's paddock, like uh, the old Pagan's paddock sort of thing. I think that's probably one of the best options we have. So we have Ryder leading out and at the same time we have either Schultz or um, Justin Westhoff leading to goal. 
That would be yep. my ideal forward line setup. Just the two forwards this game because it's a small ground. Big out. Yep. Yeah, I'd agree. Like, um, I would set up from. Are you there, guys? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I'd go from rather than set up from midfield. I'd actually slingshot from that half back line. Like, you put those extra players and link up via handball and get the gut running of people like Ebert, um, Boke, Wingard, like streaming back, and then have um, like Schultz and um, Ryder at about the 50 line uh, leading back to goal so that they've both got a side of that 50 each and you just can choose either way depending on who's got the best matchup. But I think we can try and beat them for leg speed because Sydney aren't known for their speed and we can slingshot past them. Mm. Uh, well, do you, do you disagree? I kind of disagree because they know that that's what we love doing, so that's the first thing they'll set up to try and stop. You know, if in that circumstance, if we try and with the, with the slingshot, all they've got to do is just keep the pressure on along the centre line, um, and then they'll just shut us down completely because we'll try and rebound. They'll cut us off, and then they'll get a few. They'll get enough over the top that um, they'll score quite well. So I think that we need to have a backup for the slingshot because really it's our first weapon, and we don't have a second one at the moment. Um, so I think we should be developing that as much as anything and we're more likely to catch an advantage if we can set up in a way that does not require us to slingshot every time. Mm. Well, I think one enough. one saving grace is we haven't had a half-forward line this year and uh, Sydney yeah. SCG is probably a ground where you don't need one. So, um, oh, yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like the SCG is a ground where the midfield and the half-forward line are all half-forwards. It's different in that respect. The more you mm. can have, the better, really. But I, I do like your suggestion about emptying out the forward line, leaving Ryder in there. Obviously, we need a crummer running to front and centre. Who's that going to be? That's the question that we were asking before. I guess Chad will probably be the logical one, but then we devoid him from his midfield time. I think um, Yeah, Monfries as well have to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, I the thing that's been missing for us, which was... One of our weapons against Sydney last year when we went so close to beating them was their, our transition and uh, our transition game plan. And I think back to uh, Brad Ebert having such a great head-to-head battle with um, Mr. Kennedy. Um, so I'm really hoping that we do follow the suggestion that you're making, Porsche. I think that's a very good suggestion. And uh, and in in the midst of that, uh, we can get the transition and open and try and open up the flank and run it into um, an isolated Paddy Ryder. Um, so yeah, can we do it? That is the million dollar question. And what what we need to do, I guess this is this would be my key to winning, and we'll get your keys to winning. Would be um, or if you want to know, bypass the key to winning and your player that's going to win us the game. Um, will be our disp- improving our disposal efficiency. If we can't use the ball well at the SCG, we're going to get annihilated. So I pray, fingers crossed, that we use the ball well. If we can do that, that will be our key to winning. Um, yeah, look, uh, the, using the ball reasonably well is important in, in all games, and I agree that we can be undone by it, but I think that... Uh, actually, I think our intensity is going to be more important than our accuracy. Uh realistically at this point because if we want to play the smart slow game and just try try and pinpoint everything I mean that's Sydney's been playing at a higher level than we have for a long time and that's a game that they are used to seeing and that they're used to playing um the thing that's most likely to unsettle them is if we just go at it full out for four quarters um and 
in that respect, it's going to be coming down to midfield grunt. And I suppose that might be why Andrew Moore's there, if they think he can provide that. But we just need to hammer them at every ball up as much as possible. And if it's not going our way, lock it up like we used to do, you know. Um, just really lock it up and grind it out. And I think that they're... It sounds weird to try and play that game against the Swans, but I think that's the sort of thing that'll actually work. So who who's the player you guys are picking um, to win us the match? Oh, gosh. Um, and you might as well throw in the result and score while you're at it. I'm going to say if we win, Hamish Hartlett will be not the best player, but he'll be much better than he has been. And I think he'll kick at least three goals. Awesome. And the, uh, the result, I'd say 20 points for us. We're going to win by 20 points. I think so. Awesome. It's, it's do or so. die, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Well, they're all, they're all ready to go after the break like they were at the start of the year. Um, yeah. And they have those big scalps to go for, and they've got a new big scalp now. Yeah. Um, they're expo- they're, you know, as much as I was saying that it's hard for us to match up on Sydney because they haven't got uh, Tippett and Franklin equally, it's a little bit harder for them to work out what they're supposed to do. They have to reload the memories of three years ago but, or four years mm. ago. Um, but yeah, I think that we've got a pretty good shot here, um, particularly with the break on our side. Big Al? Well, um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, Robbie Gray is going to be the most important player for us in the sense that when he's in traffic in like a congested small ground, he can make things happen. Like he can just get out of a congested situation and um, and kick the ball forward. And uh, I think that's going to be really important in that constant stoppage game that we're potentially going to play against um, Sydney this week. So um, it's the battle of the midfield, and I reckon that he'll yep. provide that advantage for us. Result? Um, put Adelaide by nine. Jeez, he's too optimistic. And I, I think it's a bit of an indictment on our team in the last game when... Uh, Robbie Gray gets knocked out at uh, just before half time, and he ends up still being our leading clearance player at the end of the game. Um, he was—he's a gun, and uh, you can't go wrong there. I was going to pick him too, Al, but I'll, for the sake of being different, I'll—I'm uh, going to go with nostalgia and say that I, I'm hoping that Brad Ebert's going to be the key to us winning. Um, I'm hoping we're going to see his line-breaking run again, which I, I think has uh, been lacking over recent time and uh, and I'm hoping that he will also uh, curtail the influence of uh, Josh Kennedy a little bit. I'm going to say the margin will probably be six goals uh, and I'm going to go in Sydney's favour. Oh, oh, dagger through the heart. I'm sorry, I'm being a realist. You really are being Macca for the night, aren't you? I, well, <laughs> you I just really disappointed honest... me. I'm sorry. I, I hope the boys win, but I just I just can't see where it's going to come from. I, I just think they're so devoid in confidence of the game plan now um, that uh, I just can't see how it can turn around. And we've lost to Brisbane away and Carlton away, both with the bottom sides. How, how can we logically, um, taking emotion out of it, pick Port Adelaide to beat you know, a team that's in the top four and a juggernaut and doing pretty well. Uh, I just can't see it. And I'll be pleased to be proven wrong. And uh, and I hope so because a win like this could springboard a renewed finals hope. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to be a downer. So uh, no, what do you okay, reckon? I'll... I'll, I'll... I'll counter that's a small amount because you said we lost away to what, Brisbane and Carlton, but they're both big grounds, or fairly. Um, whereas we beat North Melbourne at Colonial, and what was the other small ground one we won? 
I've forgotten already. But anyway, we beat North Melbourne at Colonial, so you know, I still call well, Colonial. I'm terrible. Well, we, we beat uh, Hawthorne at Adelaide Oval. We bought we beat Adelaide at Adelaide Oval, and yeah. who else? Oh, I'll watch out. We've got a call. Wait oh, a yeah. sec. Did I have I incorporated our our guest caller? Hello. Hello. How are we? Oh, oh Craig, you couldn't you couldn't leave us alone. How are you, my friend? Mate, very well, very well. How's awesome, very How's good. We're just going, we're just going through uh, seeing who people think going to win, and so Porsche's picked uh, Port by by twenty, and ours picked Port by nine, if I remember rightly, and uh, okay. and and I've come out and picked Sydney by six goals. Yeah, it's oh, okay, Mac. He was you for you. You're doing the Macca. Why have I pulled <laughs> in there? <laughs> I've done the Macca. So, so no what, one said that's it yet. Um, I know everyone would love to hear your very quick thoughts, Macca. So what would you like to share with us, mate? Oh, look, Sydney by 76. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, nah, look, hang up on him now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I'm, I'm very, very happy that uh, their Twin Towers are out, but I still can't really see where we're legitimately going to win the game unless uh, a forward line really fires. I think their midfield's still too strong. I think it's, um, you know, they've, they've just got too many stars um, and, and too many contested ball winners in their midfield, which I think is going to cause us a few issues. And I think that's where the game's going to be won. Fair call. Hey, we've got Scott S, who's tweeted in as well and asked us the thoughts on the soccer body big footy theory. What? Oh, About our players, players being... Training. Yeah, training and the, the approach Darren Burgess is taking and the, th- the thing that people think that we're too skinny. Mm. Are we being too harsh on Darren Burgess? Should yes. more heat be going to Andrew Rondinelli? Well, Because he is the strength coach. He does report to Andrew Burgess. So. Mm. <laughs> I like it how you did that quietly and sort of trailed off. You don't want to, co- you don't want to cause oh. conflict with the Lord of Macca here. You know, we, we, we say, like we were saying earlier this uh, this show, that, you know, if the players are performing badly, yeah, originally it's at the players, but if you don't do anything about it, it's the coach. And I suppose you have to say the same thing for fitness. Like, if there is an issue there, which I'm not saying there is, but if there is, well, then, you know, the buck stops at the top, doesn't it? I don't know. Yeah. Mm. I mean, look, Burgess was our fitness coach last year, and we didn't really have a problem last year. So I think people putting a lot of the blame on Darren Burgess is... I don't know. I'm not sure if it's 100 percent correct. Uh, I'm not either because. Oh, I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying that you know there's a lot of comments going around Big Footy and and other social media places that you know Burgess has um, you know turned us into middle distance runners and all that sort of thing. And look, I've said it as well. But I don't know. I think maybe I don't know. I I think there's other reasons for our downturn other than the fact that um, you know we're, we're a little bit too slender. I think. Uh, I think that's a perception, though, more than a fact, uh, in, realistically. Uh, I think if you went through the, the comparison of lists, what height and weight for us against other clubs, I don't think we'd be too different. I think that no, if we look no. soft, it's because our game plan doesn't focus on contests, on contested uh, forward movement. It, repli- it relies on uh, avoidant forward movement in that uh, rather than pushing through packs and going out the corridor, we always want to just get a, an, easy, uh, an outside possession if we can, and that's reflected in, I suppose, the perceptions of how we see Port Adelaide play, 
um, we see them as being soft or not as tough, but that's because that's how they're playing. It's not really to do with their bodies, I don't think. Spot on. Nailed it. Big Al, what do you reckon, mate? I'm pretty much in agreement with Porsche. We've had some disagreements, but, um, yeah, today I will agree with that because I don't think that... Um, I think it's the game style that we're playing rather than Darren Burgess. I think that he's kept our list on the park better than any other club. And uh, we've had, we had no issues last year with our body size and shape. We've had mm. a few bad games and they're seeing that we're soccer players. But I think it's more the style of play that we're playing. Just because he was involved with Liverpool, he thinks everyone says, oh, they're soccer bodies. That's crap. Yeah, it's, it's just dumb thinking, really, you know. Mm. Mm. So... All right, so Macca and I are banished from being Port Adelaide supporters anymore for our, our selections. Um, are there any games of interest outside of our game and uh, that takes your, takes your fancies this weekend? Well, look, I'll leave you guys to it. So uh, enjoy the rest of the podcast. On your way. Thank you, Macca. That's it. Bye, Craig. Can't hear. <laughs> Um, Is there any, any other games? I, I guess the one for me would be Adelaide versus Geelong because Geelong I can't work out now. I've yeah. really got no idea what's going on. They beat us. They get beaten by Melbourne quite well, really, yeah. uh, it, in in Geelong. Um, and so coming out of Adelaide to play Adelaide, I really hope they do Adelaide because if they don't, I just, first of all, I don't understand what's going on, but also because the crowds will be so annoying. It just, yeah, it's, it's definitely the case. So that, that's mm. the one I'm looking at this week for sure. Me personally, yeah. if, if Port Adelaide loses on Thursday, I don't watch football for the rest of the weekend because <laughs> I crack the sads. Yeah. Oh, dear. So you're not, you won't have another... What if we win? Which game would you be interested in watching? I don't know. Whatever is on when I'm drinking beer, I don't really care. For other teams, yeah. unless like um, there's someone that potentially we're going to pick up as a free agent or something like that. I, don't, I like football, but I don't really care who wins and loses each week. It's just whatever. Mm. What, like, I might be interested in the Collingwood game because we play them on Thursday. You know mm. what I mean? Like, and see what's happening with them and what type of form they're in. That's probably all. I don't even know who they're playing this week. Haven't done my tips yet. Hawthorne. Yeah. Yeah, Hawthorne. So, what do you um, what do you guys think of the back to back Thursday fixture? Do you go? Do you like the fixture of Thursday night football, and or do you would you rather just watch a neutral game on Thursday night and not have the Port Adelaide team playing on a Thursday night? I'd rather have no one playing on Thursday night and have two Friday night games. Realistically, yeah, I, I, I do. I wonder every time. I wonder about that because are we with two Friday night games? Are we just going to have you know one banished to Foxtel where? Is there as much derived benefit with the sponsors by having a Foxtel Friday night game to a free-to-air Friday night game? So, will that will that become the poor the poor well, club time slot? So they'll they'll hand that one out to um, you know your Port Adelaide's and your Bulldogs, where you know the the financial benefit isn't as great. Okay, well, first of all, um, let's say that we become the designated second Friday night side who gets on Foxtel. Um, it'll be live on TV in Adelaide, so that's great. Um, it'll give all the people that are working in the city an opportunity to walk down to the game at the end of the week where they can actually get a bit drunk, and so that helps our income in that respect if they go to the, what's, well, I forget the name of the little bar. Um, and, yeah, that's the one. And um, if uh, we uh, talk about the sponsorship opportunities, well, I mean, 
if you're looking at, I suppose, a Sunday twilight versus a Friday evening, I mean, obviously, it's, I'd say even the second Friday evening is going to be better for us, realistically, than a Sunday twilight, you know. Um, so I, I'd always pick, I'd always have two Friday night games if possible uh, and have a port be one of them. If port could be, if port all year long could be the second Friday night side, oh, that'd be great for us, I, I'd imagine. I can't see how it wouldn't be. But yeah, Thursday, Thursday nights for me throws my week out because I can't have too many beers because I got to work. Yeah, exactly. On <laughs> I'm starting to get a bit of a theme here, Al, with uh, what's revolving around your lifestyle. <laughs> Football and beer go hand in hand. You're a true Aussie male. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually interested to see the um, the West Coast Melbourne game from the fact yeah. that Melbourne oh. did top. Because the fact that Melbourne did topple Geelong to see how they mm. back that up, but also I think if West Coast can win this game, I, I think they're almost a serious threat um, for a top two spot if they're not already. And um, I think that's going to be an amazing dynamic um, for the game of Aussie rules football to have potentially two Perth teams finishing top two um, which you would almost think would lead to a all Perth Grand Final, and God, how would the uh, the AFL bureaucracy handle that? I don't think they'd care. In fact, it'd be really good for them to say, "Hey, guys, look how this is. We had all these flights from Perth this week. Look at all these hotel rooms that were booked, and they'll get you know the the local uh, money sources on side." I don't think they mind it. The only ones that don't like it, MCC members, I suppose. And maybe the Victorian club, Sandy Maguire, might not like it. Well, yeah, but that's every club doesn't like when someone else wins a premiership. That's yeah. not new. Yeah. Eddie Maguire whinges about everything, so it wouldn't matter who it was. If Colin was not in there, he'll have a sook. Yeah, but unfortunately, unfortunately, I think Hawthorne will probably still get there. They're they're a great system at the moment, um, and they're you know they're leading a lot of the stats again, or they're right up there. And you know, yeah, I I just think they they they're good enough that even if Frio and West Coast finish top two, that they could probably um, topple one of those sides in the in the first week of finals if they finish in the top four. And uh, yeah. uh, unfortunately, I think uh, yeah, they're they're going to be a juggernaut again unless uh, you know they get ahead of themselves. Were you, and were you guys? I guess I, this was. I was just going to have a little section here about if you had anything that you'd like to add from the week of football. I guess what did you what did you both think of the uh, the Sam Mitchell um, uh, jab jibe and and then I, I guess from my perspective, winners are grinners at the end of the day, and that's what footy's all about. And you know what, Sam Mitchell's probably smug, but as Titus O'Reilly quoted during the week on uh, on Facebook, it it must be a hard life. Sam Mitchell waking up, looking at this, himself at the mirror, reflecting on the three premierships he's got in the cabinet. <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, it's it's just footy, isn't it? Exactly. It is. The banter that gets put on a football field and the things that get said but people don't realise are said on the football field are like that or worse. Like, um, So, like, if you're going to play football, everything's fair game other than your family or race or sexuality. Everything else is fair game, in my opinion. So um, if you play football, you got to take it. And I reckon that someone would have given them something like that in the past anyway. So... Um, from my opinion, it's a storm in a teacup and move on. Who cares? It's football. 
Yeah. Um, I think there's, I think there's no doubt that um, sports of all kinds have given us some fantastic sledges, and cricket certainly most of those, I'd say. Um, but I don't, I, and I agree that certainly it's how it's played. I don't think it has to be played that way. Um, I think you can niggle people very much based on how they are playing in a game. I would have thought just by itself and without even swearing or anything. You know, it wouldn't take too much to get inside some players' heads, particularly if they what, kick out on the full or whatever else. Um, I still, I'll, I'll, I think I've mentioned it on the show before in last year, but um, I'll always remember Corey McKernan lining up in front of goal with Michael Wilson standing the mark and he kicked it straight out of bounds on the full and the absolute spray Michael Wilson gave him and I don't think he would have had to say a single negative thing, just laughed his head off. Um, so I, I, I see absolutely this part of current football culture, but I'm not convinced it needs to be for the next 20, 30 years, no. Mm. So did you guys have anything else you wanted to add uh, to tonight's show before we uh, we wrap it up? Uh, no, I don't think I do really. Um, mm. Only that, um, yeah, no, not really. This management, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't really need me to talk about it and if I start, I won't stop. So I won't talk about that. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, well, we'll probably talk about that closer to the off season, I would imagine. But, um, yeah, or when we're filling in space. Yeah, Al? I was going to say, like, in the off-season, we could have Porsche's list management show and, like, (laughs) we can talk about um, list management each week for an hour um, (laughs) and what we could do. And we could do the whole summer of uh, Porsche talking about list management. I reckon it would be fantastic. Um, Terrible. (laughs) Jeez, you've got such a fan following, Porsche. You must be so um, proud of yourself. Oh, I, look, I don't understand it. Um, so if that's the case, fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm grossly jealous because I never hear calls of, um, oh, when are we getting Rick back on again when I miss a show? Well, because you only miss one show or two shows, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm sure Macca and I will be putting out a survey um, shortly at the close to the end of this year about uh, what everyone wants to, to hear from the show and the other shows. And I guess um, I know our with your own show that you you do on Tuesday nights, you're, you, you're getting an appreciation of um, the time that it takes to regularly put into one of these. So um, yeah. Macca, Macca and I, are, you know, with my business and his with his family and, and his travel, we do find it a bit tough at times. So we're probably going to have to look at spreading the load and uh, mm. um, a little bit next year because it is very difficult. But we, we love doing it and we love getting you, you all on as guests and... Yeah, we love the people that download and and the few people that listen live and hopefully next year we'll be able to pump up the live listeners a bit more as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's great having everyone involved and uh, hopefully we can turn this season around. And so I'll say thank you for both of you joining us uh, tonight and for the people that did uh, contribute. And I reckon I'll have a chat to you both off air and uh, we'll see who we want to pull out a $20 meal voucher for contributing with us uh, via the tweets. and oh, very we'll fancy. Make... I know, at the Port Club, it's a great place to go. And I, I know Al's been pumping up the, ta- the, the Port Club uh, tyres quite a bit on his show as well. And, uh, <laughs> yep. and all I can say is, oh, my God, I can't believe tax season has already started. It's the 1st of <laughs> July. And uh, this office is bloody getting pumped already. So for all of you guys, whether you use New Vision or you've got your own tax agent, can I just give you one tip? Just hold off a couple of weeks because 
you won't have your interest if you got interest in the bank statements yeah. through yet. Um, group payment summaries need to catch up and just hold on to your horses and just hold yeah. off a week or two before uh, jumping in and getting your tax done. And, and I was, we've put on a new accountant to help us out this year and Robert's been a great addition. But one thing I've pointed out to him as well, in previous years when people have come in on the 1st of July and I've lodged tax returns, the ATO system hasn't actually been ready to pick them up and so you lodge them, and then three weeks later, people are calling going, what's happened? Why haven't we got our tax money? And you call the ATO, and they go, what are you talking about? Nothing's been received. So, yeah, oh, just hold gosh. on if you can, and uh, and wait a week or two before you lodge, and uh, and then you'll, you'll probably get your money just as quickly anyway. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, with the extra Medicare levy, are we going to get the good refunds that we've had in the past? Oh, but anyway, that's Rick's finance talk. So thank you very much, guys. Have a good night. And about 10 minutes, we've got Matt and Harold coming on for the Maggie's Hour. Um, so, uh, yeah, have a good night, guys, and enjoy the footy tomorrow night. Love it. Thank you very much. Power. Go to power. Go port. Yeah. The heat's on in the kitchen. Oh, look at this. Play it simple. Good attack from Galapagos Carlo. He left his man. He took them on. He gets the lines. Oh, baby! The finest of wines!